This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair. It's such an honor to present this next award. And here are the nominees. And... The Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. I'm the king of the world. There's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. I am Katie Rich, and I'm here for today's interview episode with David Canfield. Hi, Katie. Uh, David, you got to talk to Rose Byrne, who I think has probably been anyone's favorite part of something. She has uh, had such a long and varied career and tends to pop up uh, in parts where you just make you say, oh, my God, how is she doing this? Um, and in Physical, the Apple TV Plus series, she gets to, like, really take charge of something. Uh, season two of Physical is out now. Um, is she just a- achieving new heights in this one? She really is. Um, one of the things that we talked about in in the context of the show is uh, she's been known to weave pretty effortlessly between comedy and drama. And this is a project that allows her to just completely take the reins of both, flipping between the two at a moment's notice. And I think leaving the viewer really off balance in a way where, you know, the show has been pretty polarizing and it's not everyone's cup of tea. It's very much mine. Um, but... Mm. I think her performance at the center of it is pretty undeniable. Did you guys talk about the arrival of Murray Bartlett in this new season? Because I'm very curious about that. Did we ever? (laughs) (laughs) Um, They have a really great scene that aired, I think, in last week's episode that dropped on Apple TV Plus that we, we, we talked about a little bit. And we also talked about this being a kind of career culmination for her in a lot of ways, going back to Marie Antoinette, um, which is one of my favorites of hers uh, in terms of scene-stealing comic performances. And talking about being in projects that were maybe a little bit ahead of the curve, a little bit more not mutedly received, but intensely received upon mm-hmm. upon their entrance and that have that are destined to sort of live a long and uh, fruitful life in the culture. And I think that this is definitely one of them. It's it's a show that um is so original and singular that I think it will it will continue to find new viewers over the years. Well I'm excited to hear about it. Uh, but first let's hear a word from our sponsor. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Going into season two which feels just as complex and thorny and sticky as the first, if not more so. And it's the first time you'd, you'd done a continuing series right since Damages. So what, what did that feel like to 
jump back in? Jumping back in was actually really exciting because I was so thrilled with the script and with Annie and I was really daunted and excited in the best possible way and I had just finished Mrs America and I think you know it felt sort of somewhat like a companion piece to that weirdly in a creative way and it definitely in a chronological way (laughs) historically so I was excited and working with Craig Gillespie who you know is one of our producers and he you know directed the pilot of physical so it was a it was a mixture of sort of excitement fear you know we were definitely covering new ground with this show, stuff I don't think I've seen personally represented on screen in the way that we do on the show. I've never seen as a viewer, so I felt when you're doing something like that, it does feel pretty uh, nerve-wracking and daunting and thrilling all at the same time. Yeah. Um, I was a big fan of Damages, and that's another one that felt intense to watch, let alone I imagine (laughs) make. Did that kind of experience, I guess teach you, prepare you for another kind of psychologically demanding piece that you have to keep coming back to? I think all of the work you do informs where you are right now, whether I'm doing platonic or a play or physical or whatever, or Mrs. America, you know, I feel like it all, inf- all of it is informative of where you are in that moment. But I mean, t- to answer your question though, technically there's nothing like a TV schedule. There just isn't. Yep. And so damages was the hard and fast training ground for that. And particularly the way those writers worked, KZK was very much writing the night before or the night in the, <laughs> that morning. So constant evolution and change. So that's a real muscle that you have to work at. And uh, Glenn and I definitely became pretty, pretty good at that that kind of learning of dialogue and assimilating it and trying to perform and uh, so all of that absolutely informs you know going headfirst into another series. You're not surprised anymore by a long day or, or a quick rewrite. <laughs> no, but on this on Platonic, we've got like nine page scenes and they're all like hard comedy scenes and I'm like, wow, I haven't done this for a while. Like, but, and this wow. is very much like what it was like on. Neighbours or Getting the Greek or Bridesmaids, you know, all the bigger comedies that I've done, it's like you do have these sort of long set pieces sometimes and that's been interesting to embark on those again. Yeah. Did you miss doing mm. those? They are among my favourites of your of your work. Yeah. No, I did. I do. It's, it's again, it's a different muscle. It's just like a totally different muscle. So it's really fun to be back. And I love working with, with Seth and Nick. We, you know, we have a really a good teamwork in place. Yeah. With physical and uh, the first season, as it started, you've got a character who feels extremely trapped. The word unlikable inevitably came up a lot in early coverage, <laughs> both positively. I think people like really? that about the really? character and more critically. Yeah. You're shocked, right? No, I'm, take- I'm taking it back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as it so often does, to your point, uh, with complex stories centering uh, on women. In this case, it's sort of baked into the show. I- I'm just curious you know, your encounters with that kind of reception. I completely agree with what you said earlier that this show explores a lot that really hasn't been covered on TV in this way before. And I I do think that took some people aback a little bit. I agree. The show, it can be polarizing. Um, I think anything that's breaking new ground, and I I say that in a humble way, but I, I, like I said, I've never seen something like this represented on screen and uh, very stark and dark and I think humorous internal yeah. dialogue that we were also exposed to that everybody has. I mean, let's face <laughs> it, we all have it. And it's just, it's just the human condition that we're trying to assimilate and condition and, you know, 
you know, homogenize our thoughts to an extent. And so this is obviously Sheila is suffering and she has an illness, which is dictating this horrendous, you know, kind of prison she's in, in her thoughts. But yeah, I had, I, I was just, I was so personally so drawn to the material. So you try as much as you can in this business to be intuitive about, about work and, and the choices you have and the choices you don't have. And, and for me, this was very easy. I was very drawn to it. Hmm. Can you talk a little bit about getting particularly the voiceover right? Because it's yeah. such a fine line, I think, that from the very beginning the show walks and it kind of hits you really hard, uh, in my opinion, in the best way. But I imagine there was a lot of working out some kinks and the exact voice of that. It's it's very technical. It's something that's always in the scenes as we're shooting and we allow time for it. And I have a fantastic girl I work with Kelly who's doing the voiceovers for me whilst we're doing the scenes yeah. if we if we need but it's really the final layer of the whole show it's sort of the last bit of texture that we that is constantly changing and tweaking and whether it's Annie's notes or Stephanie Lang's notes or mine or the studios are just tweaking stuff and figuring out the different beats of it and also tracking where she's at with her with with the illness and it's so it's something that we do really mainly in post-production which I love I'm one of those sort of weird actors that enjoy fixing their performance as much as you can in the end <laughs> in the edit and in the dark and tweaking things and so uh but it was definitely it's definitely a work it's always changing and evolving yeah how did you get to learn about that post-production process I know this is your first tv ep ep in credit I mean, you get to do that more now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I would love that. It's fun to have a seat at the table, you know, and have decisions in whether it's casting or costume or <laughs> anything. Um, it's, it's, very, it's fun to be a part of that. And it's always felt very easy to collaborate with Annie Wiseman. She's so much of a team player and she's like the biggest cheerleader on set. And despite sometimes the nature of what we're doing, the set is actually very light and fun. It's a great group and it's yeah. really hard workers and we, Deirdre Friel is terrific and all the cast, Rory and Della and Lou and everybody. So um, Polly Sparks. So we have a we have a lovely group. Yeah, it's one of those funny things when you're watching a show and you're like, gosh, I wonder what it's like behind this. Is that what's the vibe like on set? But for us, it's it's uh, we, we, we managed to. Yeah, we, we, we're a good. It's a fun group. Was there a, a project before this where you obviously couldn't be the same, not being an EP, but where you, where you were able to be a little bit more involved in the project beyond um, the filming of it and, and see it through? Sure. I, you know, I produced a movie called Seriously Red, which we shot in Australia in 2020. Um, we just premiered at the South by Southwest Festival in Austin. Great and that wigs. was a whole new experience. <laughs> yeah, which I, you know, great fun wigs. And that, you know, that was obviously like a tiny little indie film out of Australia that I produced through Dollhouse um, pictures of my production company so that was a whole new experience doing being on the other side of that and bringing that from the grassroots of just a little script that my best friend had written to finally taking it all the way to south by southwest so it was that was a a great personal achievement for us to have to have done that mm. this season physical as as in last season but i think more this time around you get some pretty intense dramatic material to play um, stuff about Sheila's father and continuing to dig into the hauntings of her past to inform, you know, our understanding of her illness and where she is. I know a good chunk of the show was not necessarily mapped out, but, you know, you had an arc beyond that pilot uh, when you signed on. Uh, I'm curious how the little details, though, of the character have have built up for you as you've played her and what 
involvement perhaps you've had in, in helping to shape that? Well, I'm, a, I'm an actress of a thousand questions. So every day I come <laughs> in and I like, I can see Annie's face like, oh dear, here she comes. And I'm like, Annie, I just had a couple of questions. And then we, and then I'm, I'm off and I just, I can't, yeah, it's the same with it. I try to have that. Well, I just do, that's a, definitely part of the day-to-day experience of doing it, particularly when you're, the narrative is so much centered around this protagonist and her, you know, her kind of swimming through the ocean of life or whatever. <laughs> Such a cheesy metaphor, but uh, but I do come in always armored with with you know fifteen hundred questions for Annie about where we're at, where we've been, where we're going. What's the, you know, and that for me is always the best way to to center and start every beat kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, and then of course you have to throw everything out the window anyway. And, you know, you can't yeah. make any decisions on anything until the other actor is is in front of you. Yeah. Well, speaking of other actors in front of you, uh, Murray Bartlett, uh, my god in this show. He's <laughs> so yes. funny. Your scene in his class in the episode of Sheila's Dad's Memorial is pretty incredible. Uh, and also uh, wordless in terms of how, you know, everywhere you have to go. Can you walk me through, like, using that as an example, the prep and filming of something like that? Uh, just of the physical, not to <laughs> throw a pun mm, yeah, in there, yeah, requirements yeah. of a role like this. That weirdly, because Sheila comes in unbeknownst to her and Murray had been training with the dancers and his whole routine, obviously. Um, Jen, Jennifer Hamilton is our choreographer on physical and she's such an integral part of the team and she's really the other half of Sheila. And so we work very closely together. But for that particular sequence, Sheila comes in and doesn't know what's going on. So I it was somewhat easy in that I just had to physically sort of follow the <laughs> follow what was happening but obviously she has these sort of realizations and finally kind of lets her guard drop in the class because of you know she's started you know the grief of this death this like into which she has very complicated feelings around it because of the sort of yeah the trauma of her past and stuff but it was really fun and funny and in a way very much what she was seeing was I was what very much what Sheila was sort of being taken down the rabbit hole of the Vinnie, the Vinnie Green experience was, yes. uh, was so fun. And Murray is just such a delight, you know, he brought such humor and sort of soul underneath this bright, shiny kind of like poster boy for the wellness movement. Yeah. One of the things that's great about continuing shows like this is you can have an actor like Murray come in and and bring this whole new energy to a show that feels, you know, pretty established with lots of different characters. And, it kind of disrupts the whole thing in, in the best way. I'm wondering if it felt like that on set. It did. And we were so thrilled, you know, we didn't know if we were going to have him. And I, I, like everybody, I had just been so bowled over by his tour de force performance in The White Lotus. And yes. we were just thrilled. We couldn't believe it. And then he came and he's such a dreamboat. And he did disrupt and he did do all those things. And he sort of sets this bar for Sheila to try to achieve. And he's part mentor, part rival mystery and intrigue kind of surrounding him and uh we get another really great episode later in the season which is even more sort of breaking breaks all the rules of conventional television which i'm excited for people to see yeah i, I think i've seen an advanced screen, okay yeah okay, we're definitely cool. not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> um but yes something to look forward to <laughs> yeah yeah Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the Reviews Director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. 
Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Muna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com. More broadly, the way Sheila moves finds herself through movement. It's a really fascinating way to unlock a character, I think both for viewers uh, and, and for the actor. Physicality always comes with the job to an extent, but um, what has that process been like for you, in both in finding Sheila and maybe getting that kind of acting challenge, uh, which is not does not come around too often, I would think. No, it's, well, I, and the thing is I'm deeply uncoordinated. I am not <laughs> a natural dancer. I get dive two left feet, and so the training started early. <laughs> and luckily, you know, Sheila starts out not confident, but she has a dance background. So just all those things that inform what how somebody presents. Like a dancer is such a specific kind of character. You know immediately someone who is, used to be a dancer or was a dancer. Or, yeah. And so just all of those informative things. And physicality, yeah, like it, I enjoy it so so much uh, personally as an actress I've just it's such a fun and challenging thing and this is not just physically about the aerobics but her, her how she sits in her physical body herself and how disconnected she is to it so there's many layers <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but um I feel spoilt yeah for the for the fun of it all yeah it, it makes me think of other roles that you've played where um just the way the character carries herself might be a really big contributing factor. Bridesmaids feels like an obvious example in a way because she's so regal, controlled, <laughs> yes. regal, Slag, uh, regal not lady, a, not a piece of hair out of place, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. yeah, it was fun doing Gloria Steinem because that was such a specific yeah, way one. she walked and spoke, and and it's funny with those historical pieces when you're playing real people, it's like. Some people just show up and you go, this um, this is it, this is who I am, and other people perform in a very immersive way and are doing, you know, it's much more mounted. So it's that thing of how how every actor calibrates that, right, when you're doing, when you're playing a real person. And so that I'd never really had that specific a challenge before, so that was really fun too, yeah. Which uh, side did you lean toward? I feel like in that show you kind of had a mix of the two approaches. Yes, I... I, I I found her, she's so striking and specific in her silhouette from her voice to her body to her hair, everything. I, I, I just leaned in as much as I could. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we are talking on the day that Roe v. Wade has been officially yeah, overturned. Yeah, uh, we so. are. I'm not going to lie. I, it's been a crushing, crushing blow, I think. Um, listen, for every woman around the world, it's when America, the kind of... The leader of, you know, well, are we going to go down that road? Because it's so <laughs> sad. It's just so, it's, it's so much. It's heavy. I know. I just, I just and I mentioned did the think project. Of her. And, I did think of her. Yeah. I did. I read it and immediately was like, wow. Because like her, like every woman of that generation, they they just fought so hard. They fought so hard to get these things in place. All the incremental things they did just built and built and built to finally pass these sort of fundamental rights. And, uh, yeah, it's very, it's really, it's a 
It's a disturbing day. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. The the power of that show in a lot of ways was showing you the mechanisms to undo a lot of that work. Though. Yes. I mean, wow. you're oh, not didn't the ever. primary in that show, right? It's Phyllis Schlafly. It's Phyllis Schlafly. And what a fascinating example. Yeah, really reverse engineering how we got where we are today with our with the political parties and how they operate and these giant conglomerates like Fox News or whoever who are, yeah, anyway. But, yeah, anyway, it's a, anyway, anyway. Streaming on Hulu for those we, who yeah, might want to rewatch. <laughs> we, we digress. We digress. <laughs> digress. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, sorry, just kind of wash no, over No, you're right. Now. You know, I felt the same way. It's, it's, yeah. it's and, yeah, it's really, it's a, it's a very, very disturbing day. Well, let's talk about comedy a little bit more. Let's look okay. for <laughs> um, uh, Another one that I was thinking, another element of the show I was thinking of in the context of your overall work is the incredible costumes. Um, and I know you've talked about the fittings being highly particular and yes. <laughs> specific, yes. um, which brought me back to a movie I very recently rewatched for no particular reason, Marie Antoinette, which you are Ooh, hilarious in that, by yeah. the way. And the costumes in that are insanely good. Well, that was Milena Canonera, who's yes. like a, you know, f- f- four-time Oscar winner. And she won I was, for the movie, yeah. Yeah, she won for the film, but I, I, I remember wearing a costume that Marissa Berenson wore in Barry Lyndon. It was incredible, incredible wow. costume. Yeah, and she put me in that at one point, and yeah, it was like, yeah, that, that, that was every day. It was like, wow, this was just... <laughs> Talk about a special effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I mean, yeah. and and it's it's also being a historical piece. Obviously, Mrs. America's dramatic series, but this you are hilarious. It's a really funny part. It was funny. That was Sophia. Yeah, she she really. Um, I remember putting myself on tape, and it was very light and bubbly. And you know, Duchess de Polignac is a, obviously a real person in history. And uh, but it was definitely one of my first opportunities to be funny, which was yeah, due to Sophia seeing this tape, I guess, and thinking, okay, she looks like she could. <laughs> it was the first time that I. It was more of a comic role, and it was very fun. It was very funny, and working with Jason Schwartzman, who's just a gifted comedic actor, um, and also there was a lot of improv on that film. It felt like it, especially those big group scenes where everyone's just playing off each other. We did. Jamie Dornan, who's still a dear friend. Jamie Dornan, Mary yeah. Nye, Clementine Poydats. A lot of the cast I still keep in touch with. and um, But I have very fond memories and very glamorous Parisian memories of <laughs> filming in these extraordinary locations that only Sophia could ever possibly get access to. The whole thing felt very privileged. I think I think now you are seen as someone who, as a an actress, incredibly deaf with comedy. But at the time, did you feel nervous about you know reading for? It felt like I mean, even in the writing, it's a pretty broadly comic role, um, yeah. and and maybe shaking it up a little bit. I'm not sure exactly where you were career wise in terms of comedy versus drama. I think I was. I think at that point I was probably nervous about every single part, like I am still now. So <laughs> it was like but still that daunting feeling of what was so fun was how she approached it. It was such a collaborative thing and she was very inspired by people, current sort of it girls like Kate Moss. I remember that was a great like reference point. And she, I think the film has really kind of become a cult hit now, whereas when it came out I think people were quite 
disoriented and didn't quite know, but boy, it was fun to make it. Yeah. We had as much fun as it looked like we were having. <laughs> I, I would hope so. Um, and then you go, I think pretty quickly after that, went to do damages, um, mm. which was not funny. <laughs> <laughs> really? Um, <laughs> I mean, Maybe, here and there. You know, it's, I feel it's like you were satire. able to make Martin Short not be funny. And I mean <laughs> yeah. that as a compliment, but... <laughs> And not easy to do. Oh, God. He's so funny. He made me laugh. I was laughing all the time. But, yes, yeah, then right after that was Damages, yes. And that was really when TV was was the early days. Like, there were incredible, you know, HBO had set the bar with, obviously, Sopranos and Six Feet Under and Oz. And uh, we came out the same year as Mad Men. Like, it was a real time that, that year that we came out. So I feel very sentimental about that now, I think, in a way. Because obviously you can't move for as many prestigious TV shows that are on, so that was definitely the beginning, the beginning side of those things of that era. Yeah, I remember Damages, Breaking Bad, and Mad Men were all nominated for the first time that year. It was pretty. Yeah, of pretty course, wild. Breaking Bad. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. How does it feel then to be in a project like Physical, which I think has all of the dramatic and all of the comedic components that you would want in a part. I mean, as someone who has moved between the two pretty fluidly over the last few years, um, it seems to contain the whole package, if you will. I felt that when I read it and then when I met Annie and saw the sort of, you know, her keen, dry wit and how she just sees the she can check the temperature in a room very quickly and she and I think her writing just traffics in all of that sort of stuff in a way that I find very delightful and wicked and funny and absolutely exploring the darker side, particularly of a, of women and how we treat ourselves and talk about ourselves and think about ourselves. And it's uncomfortable stuff, but I, it, for me, it's, you know, like kind of fun to do, quote unquote. And, I am, and, you know, and a show like this is so specific. And I've said this before too, it wouldn't have been made five even t- 10 or five years ago but now we have this ability to you know with streamers and and i think also the desire for more stories from a fem- through a female lens and through the female experience and that's definitely speaks to all of those all of those things mm-hmm. it's funny the notion that it wouldn't be made five years ago which seems undeniable mm. uh mm. it's kind of true of a lot of the projects we've talked about mm. yeah mrs know, america, Marie Antoinette, mrs. Marie america I know. damages obviously no nope, absolutely these are all shows that ha- it's the timing like anything in life and i felt like they found their home when they when they did at the right time yeah which is yeah. uh yeah uh well you did damages for five years would you do this one for five years <laughs> we did that's right if we, it's such a collaboration between Annie and I and Steph Lang, our director, and it, so if we felt like there was more stories to tell, of course, but of course you don't also want to, we all uh, know when something has run its course too, but Sheila feels like to me a uh, sort of endless, <laughs> an endless <laughs> character to, to be able to follow. And, uh, I, you know, she's really such an incredible creation of, of Annie's that, yeah, it's, it's one of those jobs that I, I, sometimes miss even when I'm not doing it, even though that sounds sort of odd to say, but it is, she has so much agency and in every scene there's just so, so many things. Like I say, I come in armed with a thousand questions. So it's, it's, it's always exciting. Yeah. I feel like she's a good character for that kind of way of working because there's always a lot to ask. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Uh, well, Rose Byrne, thank you so much. Thanks, David. Uh, Thanks for your support. Thanks for um, having me this morning. Pleasure. Physical on Apple TV Plus, an amazing episode that we tease coming up and seeing. Thank you. <laughs> thank you yeah. so much. That does it for today's interview episode. We'll be back later this week with our regular episode and the conclusion of our Pride Month series. In the meantime, you can find us at VanityFair.com and on Twitter at LilaGoldMen. I'm at Katie Rich. David? David Canfield, 97. You can also sign up to text with us at joinsubtext.com slash LilaGoldMen or text 213-513-4203. Our editor and producer is Brett Fuchs. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, host of Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. This week, with the help of Dan Adler and Olivia Nuzzi, we're going inside the media circus swirling around Donald Trump's criminal trial. People want coverage of Donald Trump. There are sort of shades of 2015, 2016. I found it to be a, a total break from the reaction to a lot of Trump coverage in the last two years. Join me, Brian Stelter, on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Listen wherever you get podcasts.